Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 134. Happy Victory Monday, Bucks fans. The third one in a row. We're going streaking, baby. Welcome back to the show. Today we're going to review everything that went down in the Buccaneers' 38-31 victory over the Los Angeles Chargers. Just a complete roller coaster of a game. But welcome back to the show. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Evan, we're going streaking, brother. You took the words right out of my mouth when you said roller coaster, because that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, I was actually I was going to ask you if you liked roller coasters, and then I was going to get into like, well, if you like that, then you'll love this game. And uh, <laughs> I'm a big roller coaster guy myself. I, I will say. That this game was a roller coaster, but I don't think it made me anywhere near as anxious as any of the games did last year. Even when the Bucks were up 20 points in the third and fourth quarter. Like, it, something about this team, maybe it's the quarterback. It, it just, I, I don't know. You know, it, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, just I, a, I think it's just a I different a feeling about this game overall. I think it's a little bit of the quarterback, but I also think it's what you've seen from the defense in the first three games yeah. that you're like, they're not gonna, you know, like normally the Bucks defense, they'd allow that tie right there instead of the interception. Right. Um, that's, I, I think that's the big difference, the quarterback and just the fact that you now have more faith in the defense. So that's why like you don't feel as anxious during games, I think. And, your kicker has been consistent. So even though he did miss a kick, your kicker's been consistent enough to where you don't really have to, ooh, you, don't, you know, you don't have to bite your nails every time he goes out there. So Absolutely. So if you guys have not heard, the Buccaneers are 3-1 and one for the first time since 2011. And as of right now, they are top of the <laughs> NFC South for another week. And winners did you see, of Did you see the Stroud tweet? No, I did not. Did you, so yesterday he... he tweeted out and trevor sikama really laughed at it and he he tweeted out bucks have started bucks started three and one for the first time since 2011 when they finished four and 12 i was like oh man you had to put that one out there (laughs) yeah that's a a tough one you definitely don't want to re uh you don't want to reminisce on that season far too often any of those seasons out of the 2010s really i just I, i think most are better left unmentioned but Yes, a roller coaster of a game that this one was on Sunday. The Buccaneers, as we just mentioned, three and one for the first time in nine years, top of the NFC South. And then for Tom Brady as well, let's talk about some of his accomplishments on Sunday. Five touchdowns, and he also broke the record for most regular season wins of all 
time, the winningest player in NFL history. He was tied with Adam Vinatieri with 221, and the win on Sunday got his 222nd career victory, making him the leader most regular season wins of all time. His stat line on Sunday, by the way, looked like this. 30 for 46 on passing, 369 yards, five touchdowns, and one interception, which was a pick six, which between you and me, Evan, I, I, I really thought, you know, it, pick sixes suck. They suck. But I just, you know, as with any pick six, I thought that one was going to bite us in the ass the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, so I saw, I believe Evan Winner put out a tweet that said, like, this game kind of reminded him of the Colts game from last year when the Bucks were down, I think, uh, double digits, and they yes. came back and won. Uh, and I think one of the reasons was because the Bucks also threw a pick six in that game. Uh, Jameis Winston thought he read the blitz wrong and he threw it like right to Darius Leonard and Leonard took it for six. So I think that is a, is a strong similarity as well. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know why they keep running that route. And it seems like the, the weird thing to me is they don't run it with anybody else besides Justin Watson. Yeah. Like, why don't you try it with somebody different? Like, I don't understand. It clearly, at this point, it might be a Justin Watson thing. I put out a tweet. They've run that same out route with Justin Watson three times since last year, and every single time it's been a pick six. Texans game week 16 last year, the same route. Winston threw, threw it, right? It was mistimed a little bit. Watson did not run the great route. Pick six. Brady, the week one, New Orleans. Not a great route. Long developing stuff. Pick six. This one, the corner did make a good break on it, but Watson just ran a lazy route. Throw was eh. Pick six. And, I mean, I also feel like were, if you're a defensive back, I mean, I know we've talked about Brady and his ability to kind of, it. you know, read off defensive backs and kind mm -hmm. of make them think he's going to go somewhere else. But I don't think it matters who you have under center. I think it's one of those routes that if you're a cornerback and you've seen it before, exactly. you're going to get it every time. You know well, what I Janoris mean? Well, Janoris Jenkins said that after the New Orleans game. He said, yeah. like, they ran it. They we, they know that they've ran that thing before. They've seen it last year. Like, stop running it. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. And I know that we're sitting here talking and complaining about this football team who just won a game and it's three and one. But – like just quit running that route, <laughs> or if you if you do run it with a guy who seems to do out routes a little bit better, like throw a mismatch out there, throw Gronk you, out there, hell. Yeah, I mean, well, can you give like Tyler Johnson a shot at that? Maybe like see if right. he can do it. Like, there's got to be somebody different. I don't understand why that keeps happening. And every single time you throw that, if it's not timed perfectly, it's going to be a pick six. It's just it's one of them high danger routes that if it's picked off, it's likely going for six. Yeah. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit more about Tom Brady's performance from Sunday before we break down the rest of this game. But, you know, I know I said it last week and probably the week before, but I think this one definitely solidified it. Besides the pick six, Tom Brady's best performance in a Buccaneer uniform. I mean, the first half we saw the offense stall out. Bucks were playing from behind and it really seemed like those guys weren't going to get going and you and I were texting each other back and forth and we're like dude I mean if this is the best the offense is going to give us after two quarters then this one might as well be over and I know you and I were not the only ones to write off Tampa Bay in this football game because unfortunately as Bucks fans for so long we have seen it before 
Yeah, but I mean, well, even even when they scored that touchdown right before the half, I texted you. I was like, it, it doesn't really matter, just because, like, yeah, they scored it. But do you remember? Just, were, you remember my response to that text message? No, I do not. I literally said "f you." Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, well, whatever. Uh, um, so, uh. Yeah, I mean, even when they scored that, like they they scored it from the six yard line, and they, it was third and goal anyway. And I was like, man, they're down ten, and like at that point, the defense was having real trouble with the Chargers' offense, and it just did not look like the Bucks' offense had any life at all. Yeah. So like we're sitting there thinking, we're like, you know, yeah, they make it interesting, but I just don't know if they're going to be able to put enough on offense together to get back into it. And well, they did. So yeah, one play, my favorite play well I guess my favorite drive of the entire game it was a two play drive and literally Tom Brady and Scotty Miller went out there played some backyard football and they got the job done one of the easiest offensive drives I have seen from this team all year if it was scripted it was scripted to perfection maybe it's a touchdown pass on the first connection to Scotty Miller but Brady in the second half offense looked lackluster in the first he came out and I'm pretty sure he went on like a 15 for 17 stretch in passing Mm -hmm. I mean, he absolutely he, he he turned the clock back in the second half. There's there's really no other way to put it. He looked like 2007 Tom Brady out there. Yeah, I was gonna go back. Yeah, like 2017. I was gonna say. Oh, I yeah, think that, that was, was the, I guess. only only was ten when... years off. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> hey, good 2007. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that was just yeah the the deep shots. I mean, yeah, okay, he he can't throw deep. Yeah, oh, okay, huh. Okay, buddy. <laughs> if you, you you're you're gonna say that, I advise you to either stop watching the games because you don't know what you're looking at, or start watching the games closer because uh, you clearly don't know what you're talking about if you think this dude doesn't have the arm strength. Um, yeah, he was just spectacular, and I mean that is why you bring Tom Brady in, right? Honestly, I we like Jameis. We make we make jokes, I know, but they probably don't win this game if Jameis Winston's a quarterback. Like they probably don't. They may make it interesting, but they probably don't win this game if James Winston is the quarterback. And I mean, Bruce Arians pretty much said, and I don't know why everybody thought that was like directed right at Jameis because it definitely wasn't. No, any. Uh, but by he, the way, any comparison that Bruce makes of this team now to the 2019 team, it's yeah. not always about the quarterback. It's not. Thank, there are a lot you. of different yeah. things. You brought it up at the top of the show. This defense has the ability now to finish football games and forced turnovers, which is something the that kicker. they struggled with for years. Yeah, the kicker being consistent. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's not all about Jameis, guys. I know the quarterback position is the most important one, and that's the thing that people will look at. But, I mean, yeah, Tom Brady just – he was locked in. And I I don't understand the Chargers – and the Chargers defense, I think, is good. Like, that's not some scrub defense that they played, and they didn't really have. I mean, yeah, missing Melvin Ingram. Shout out to the offensive line. Let's give them, you know, a round of applause. Absolutely, here. forty-six pass attempts for Brady, and he was not sacked one time. I nope. mean, that's, I believe, yeah, I believe he was hit maybe two or three times. Uh, but yeah, clean pocket. Tristan Wirfs just a fantastic job on Joey Bosa. Donovan Smith getting the job done on the other side. I know they were missing Melvin Ingram, but and I mean, yeah, they opened up some running lanes as well. So I mean, it was a full team effort in the second half. Um, one thing that I, Brady was great. I'm not taking anything away from him there, but I will say, you know what I think might have been one of the more important drives in this entire football game. The Chargers got the ball to start the second half. If they score a touchdown on that drive, it's thirty-one to fourteen. 
Instead, they get nothing. Yeah. They didn't they didn't score. That was huge. Because if they score a touchdown, basically what their miscue at the end of the half meant nothing. And like you scoring that touchdown because you're down, you know, 17 again. So it, it doesn't matter. Instead, you know, I, I believe let me check the, the drive chart here. I, I believe they might have yeah, they just punted. It was a three and out, minus five yards. Jordan Whitehead got that sack. And that was huge. And then the very next one, it took eight plays, and the Bucks scored a touchdown. I mean, that's that's playing complimentary football right there. Absolutely. Uh, that, that's what that is. And one more thing that I wanted to talk about with Brady and his performance in that second half, we'll talk about the rest of the offense because, like you said, a complete team effort. But Tom Brady, one of the improvements that I saw and something that we talked about on the pregame show is him being comfortable throwing in tight windows. We talked with Trevor Sikama after week two, and you know it, it pretty much boils down to Tom Brady's going to throw the ball to the guy who's open. But these past few weeks, we've seen him throw some balls that, I mean, it, you know, the ball placement has to be perfect for the receiver yep. to grab it. And he's also going to have a little receivers bit receivers open. He's, he's also going to have a little bit of trust that his guy's going to get it. And I think we saw that come up a little bit with OJ Howard and his touchdown. Rob Gronkowski had that catch that, that he really held on to. Mike yeah. Evans had one as well. So I think between Mike Evans and even Gronk getting his wheels back under him, Brady's starting to feel a little bit better with these guys and throwing the ball in some, uh, some tight coverage situations. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you look at, the Bucks just need a pass catching running back, man. They, 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 they need it because. I mean, Rodgers, I think he's on the sideline injured right now. I mean, and, and also let's uh -huh. just say this: Keyshawn Vaughn didn't look too bad for the limited time that we saw them. He did okay. go in there and get himself a touchdown. Yeah, should have caught that ball on third and goal, but whatever. Yeah, he um, should have. He was due for a drop. I mean, it wasn't. Wasn't wasn't the perfect throw, but I mean, you catch that ball, keeps the clock rolling. Nonetheless, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but I mean, yeah, the the drops there are concerning. But yeah, I mean, just like you said, it seems like Brady has more trust. Um, uh, you know, even like Cameron Brate, like that wasn't he Brate wasn't wide open, right? Like you know, that was that was a tight window, a tight window throw. Um, and then obviously the Miller one, Miller was pretty wide open, but, uh, you know, that, that first one, I mean, Miller, that's a good ball on that deep one, um, yeah. traveled about 50 yards in the air. It was a really good ball, but, uh, yeah, you can tell that he's starting to really trust his guys. And I mean, Gronkowski and him, Gronkowski ran a seam route earlier in the game and Brady missed him. And I was like, ouch right because Gronkowski had his guy beat and Brady just missed it that was one of his few misses in the second half yeah and I was like man I was like that sucks and then the next play I believe is the Mike Evans deep ball on third and 20 that got him down there for the Keyshawn Vaughn touchdown but then the next one you know they go to Gronkowski again and I mean, yeah, it's just a great ball placement, great catch. And like I said, obviously with Gronkowski, he's going to have that trust. But you can tell with the other guys, he's getting that trust as well. So, I mean, I think that's pretty important. And I think, you know, as the season goes on more, it, it's just going to get better, hopefully, if everybody is healthy, which obviously, you know, um, we'll talk about this a little bit more in our game preview show for Thursday. But the Bucks do not seem like a healthy group right now, which is going to hurt. But um you can tell that Brady seems to be getting more comfortable and more comfortable with this offense. I thought, you know, nobody was going to say it, but Byron Leftwich called a great second half. Uh, I even thought he called a decent first half. It's just 
it didn't seem like guys were getting open. Like, yeah. you know, they were throwing it on first down. It's not like they committed to the run because they were down, so they had to throw it. It's just guys just were not getting open, and something's changed in the second half. And, I mean, just props to everybody on the offensive side of the football. Absolutely. Another guy that I don't want to give major props to is that big wide receiver, number 13, our man Mike Evans. His stat Keenan line oh. his stat line looked I, like I this. I thought the other 13. Oh, no, 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 not that guy. Definitely not that guy. Seven receptions for Mike Evans, 122 yards, one touchdown. And by the way, Big Mike also set a franchise record for five games in a row with a touchdown. So etching his name into the Buccaneer history books even more on Sunday. And he did it all on a bum ankle. I mean, props to Mike for really stepping up and just willing his way into this game. I mean, he he was clearly hurt in that first half. He was a little heated as well. You know, we saw him and Keenan Allen, or not Keenan Allen, excuse me. We saw him in his uh, corner go at it quite a few times. Um, well, you would, uh, you would, you would take on Twitter that, you know, I, I get killed for all the time for saying, and then, you know, you say it, and you got killed a little bit for it. So uh, I think hindsight's always twenty twenty with a take like of that. Of course, every everybody wants to go back to that when it's done. Right, like, exactly. Like, it's a great time to delete this, Rhett. <laughs> so... I had oh. tweeted out right after that big altercation. With that's a buddy of mine who tweeted that. He doesn't care. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I, know I had tweeted out like late in the second quarter. Mike Evans had gotten in that big scuffle with what seemed like the entire Chargers defense, um, and he was pretty heated. And, and I mean, it seemed like Mike Evans has had a few of those moments this season, a few more than I've really regularly see from him. Um, mm. But anyways, in that At moment, I was pretty. Week one. I was pretty sure in that moment the Bucks had lost the game because we saw it in New Orleans. You know, you lose the mental game, yep. you get flustered, and you get visibly frustrated. Another team kind of has you figured out, and I'm surprised that, you know, I think if the Chargers were a better team and they were up 24-7 and and had Mike Evans pissed off like that, they definitely would have won the game, but ultimately we know the result, and like I said, hindsight's always 20-20, so I'm not deleting the tweet because, I mean, where's the fun in that? Yeah, I mean that's that's what the Chargers wanted to do though. Like that's what bad yeah. teams want. They know that the Buccaneers on paper are better than them. Like they realize that. But like their chance to get in their heads, like it doesn't matter. Like make them frustrated. They're gonna make more mistakes when they're frustrated. We've seen Mike Evans drop footballs that he normally catches because he's frustrated. Uh, you know, we've seen that in the past. And I, I think, you know, like there's a few guys like Marshawn Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore's in Mike Evans' head at this point. Um have to admit it, but I mean, Mike Evans clearly didn't let it affect him too much because that was on third down. It was incomplete. He wanted a pass interference call. He didn't get it. The corner started talking to him. He pushes the corner, 15-yard personal foul. The Bucks punt. The very next play, Sue gets the ball loose. Three plays later, Mike Evans finds the end zone. That is the way to respond. By the uh, way. Headed into this game, I feel like it needs to be mentioned, but headed into this game, I'm pretty sure they announced that this set of officials called the least amount of holding calls in the NFL up until wow. that point. Shaq, I, I, I think, like I mean, word. dude, we saw that on full display Sunday as well. Those refs were just not calling shit for a while. I mean, Shaq, I, Shaq Barrett must have gotten held four or five different times. Like, <sighs> I don't know. Vita got held on one. Oh, he almost um, ripped his damn jersey off, dude. 
Yeah, I was like, come on. Like, what are you doing here? And I thought the referees got better, a little bit better in the second half. But that first half, man, that's rough stuff. Brady I mean, pulled him aside at halftime and said, listen, guys, like, I know you're yeah. trying to not make it obvious. Don't make me deflate these footballs again. <laughs> that's what he said. He was like, you know, don't don't make me do it because I will. I pay your um, salary, bucko. Yeah, listen here, okay? I get you the free TB12 subscription. You're going to start paying 50 bucks a month for it like everybody else does. You don't <laughs> tighten it up. You know, so that that's basically, that's how that conversation went. I have that on good authority. But, um, so, yeah, it's it was bad. And uh, the Carlton Davis pass interference call that they called, uh, I thought that was suspect. Yeah. Um, honestly... The personal foul on Jordan Whitehead when he hit Justin Herbert, I didn't like that call. Justin, they don't throw the flag until Justin Herbert lays down there for a minute. Like, if he pops right back up, I don't know if they call that. I think they called it just because of Herbert's reaction to it, and that's not how you officiate a game. So, nonetheless, they won. Everybody's happy, but officials had a rough first half. Yeah. I don't know. Something about Tampa sports and having to fight officials, but... um yeah. So, by the way, we talked about the Chargers and we talked about what they brought. But, I mean, shout out to Justin Herbert. You really have to acknowledge. I Dude's don't think you can go without. We called the last episode, the game preview, we titled it Buckle Up, Rookie. He buckled and up. He buckled up. Yeah, he definitely buckled up. I mean, what a game from Justin Herbert. We waited all game what felt like for him to make that rookie mistake. And it finally came in the form of a Carlton Davis interception to seal the deal. But up until then, he had played a damn near perfect game. I mean, the adjustments made by Anthony Lynn as well. You and I were texting back and forth. And Anthony Lynn said before the game that week, yeah, we're pretty aware of the Buccaneers pass rush. I'm not worried. We've got something for him. And let's yep. keep in mind. This I thought that was a Chargers offensive line that's missing mm-hmm. an all pro center, two starting offensive linemen, and they held the Bucks to one sack. I, I mean, they definitely have to be mentioned because Anthony Lynn and I guess Justin Herbert as well, they went in here with a plan, and for the most part, they executed it pretty damn well. It was actually two sacks because do you remember when they ran the flea flicker? Oh, and there was nobody yeah. open. Shaq Barrett got a sack. Did On Shaq that Barrett play, was, I thought he Shaq- was past the line of scrimmage. No, Justin Herbert slid behind the line of scrimmage, and Shaq Barrett. So Shaq Barrett has three sacks on his year now, or three and a half, whatever. Wow, so, there it is. By yeah, the way, Shaq I was Barrett, pissed when I saw the flea flicker. I'm so glad that he was credited with the sack because that play just pissed me off. Why? Because the Bucks ran it, and, and I just I. What does me, that matter? Me personally, <laughs> I know you know obviously Bruce Arians and the Buccaneers didn't invent the flea flicker, but. I think we're the only team this season to successfully run the flea flicker. Am I? Am I not wrong? Uh, I haven't seen it anywhere know. else on Sports Center. Maybe I don't know, but Maybe. I mean, you're not. You're you. You won't. You wouldn't be pissed if uh, an opposing team ran that out route. Yeah, and we took it to the house. I would not be <laughs> pissed whatsoever. Maybe they can take oh, some no. different plays if, if from they, our if damn they, playbook. If they, if they do, they'll run that to perfection. They'll show the Bucks what it's supposed to look like. That's what would happen. Oh man, so. Let's talk about some more stat lines for the Buccaneers. Shout out to the Chargers and Justin Herbert as well. That kid's going to be good for a while. But over on the Buccaneers side of the ball, Ronald Jones. On the pregame show, we talked about him. You're going to be missing Leonard Fournette. We kind of knew we were going to be seeing Keyshawn Vaughn in a limited fashion. So Ronald Jones got a full day of work, and it looks like this. 20 rushing attempts for 111 yards. 
He also caught the ball six times for 17 yards. He also dropped the ball like three or four times. And, and I will say, on one of those drops that he did have, it would have been like a yard, yard and a half loss anyways. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's hard to be mad about it. But even then, I think Ronald Jones proved this game that he can be a running back one in this football league if you give him 20 carries a game. But just don't throw him the ball like that. Just don't throw him the ball. We need a better receiving back. No, you're shaking your head. No, I, I think Rojo had a damn good game, and I think it's one he's been waiting on for a while. I thought he played okay. Um, you're ne- to me, you're never going to be considered a running back one if you can't catch the ball. And that yeah. seems like a real – like that's not something that he's like, yeah, he's okay at. Dude, he's bad at it. Like yeah. he just – he cannot catch the ball. And I understand that he was put – normally he's not put in those situations because normally LaShawn McCoy is and he's better at catching the ball. McCoy went out. Like, I get it, right? But, man, there was some that just right in your hands. Like, you got to just, just catch the ball. Oh, well, you saw Brady get visibly frustrated at a couple of points. You ha- Yeah, you, you, you have to catch the football. It's, it's simple. I, I don't – you're an NFL running back. Just catch the ball. So, I mean, yeah, Rojo had a decent game, but you know what? This still opens up the door for Leonard Fournette. If Leonard Fournette comes out and catches the ball better, guess who Bruce Arians might go to more? It just, you know, if you're I, – I don't think Ronald Jones is a horrible running back, but I also don't think he's ever going to be a running back one, and Sunday he showed you why. Because to me, a running back one is a running back that can – you know, not necessarily pass protect because I think a running back one doesn't have to be an elite running back. I think the elite running backs can run the ball, pass catch, and pass protect. Those are the elite ones, which are rare, obviously. But a running back one to me has to be able to to run the ball efficiently and be able to just be average to above average at catching the ball. And he's just not. So I think he'll forever be a running back too. That's not a bad thing, but right now I don't know if they have a running back one. He played fine. He played solid. He iced the game, right? Because they weren't out of the woods yet when after that pick, right? They were yeah. not out. You know, the Chargers still could have got the ball back, and Ronald Jones had a nice run. The offensive line opened up some good holes, but I just I need to see more from him receiving, uh, and before I I really, you know, have more faith in him. And, and right now I. I have faith in him as, as a runner, but it just man, when when he's catching the ball, I just I, I don't think he's gonna be able to do anything with it. And that's something he's gotta that's something he's gotta improve upon. And the the, the the scary part is he has. Like he was worse at catching the ball his rookie year. Like he was horrendous in training camp catching the ball his rookie year. There'd be drills three or four times straight he dropped the ball right in his hands. Never seen anything like it. Uh, so, I mean, he actually has gotten better at it, but it's something that he needs to continue to improve upon if he wants to get more reps. I see your point. I agree with you. I do agree that he does. Keyshawn Vaughn was the better, was the better receiving back on Sunday. Even though Keyshawn Vaughn dropped that ball, he was the better receiving back. Yeah. He got a receiving touchdown at the end of the day, but I think it's important. And I think what I want people to take away from this is. I'm not pounding my chest saying that Ronald Jones needs to be the running back one of this football team. As far as I'm concerned, I am looking forward to when Leonard Fournette comes back and is ready to play and they get that rotation going again. I think from what I saw on Sunday, it's just encouraging to know that if you give Ronald Jones 20 carries a game, he can potentially get you 100 yards because we've been saying it all season. He runs hard. 
and you saw it on display. He got a couple of great holes opened up for him. The offensive line looked really good in run protect or um, run blocking, excuse me, but they opened up some holes. They let him go back there and do his thing. If he's ever in that position again, I trust him to carry the rock. But let's also remember we do have Leonard Fournette coming back. He was out on Sunday with an ankle injury, but he does have a chance to play this Thursday. We kind of just have to wait and see how practice goes. (laughs) They need him because LaShawn McCoy is going to be out. He has a grade two ankle sprain, so he's out. And Kenjin Barner has a concussion and likely is not going to be able to pass concussion protocol in three days. By the way, dude, I don't know if I felt bad for a player like I felt bad for Barner after his one snap on Sunday. He got smacked. (sighs) And he actually had he I think he had he had a decent return kickoff return, one of them, um, but yeah he got smacked on that and that was just a ball that, you know Brady tried to check it down and it was just a bang bang play and not really much you could do about it. Yeah. Now Sunday the Buccaneers did win. There were some standout performances, but there were also a fair share of injuries. So we're going to talk about those kind of the status of everything right now. The worst news to come out of Sunday and some pretty unfortunate news. The Buccaneers lost tight end O.J. Howard. He's done for the year with a ruptured Achilles. That sucks, man, because O.J. was starting to cook on Sunday. He he was looking good. Yeah, he was looking good. He had that one questionable, like, did he catch it? Did he drop it? Did he fumble it? Thing? But, <laughs> oh, I mean, dude, I thought I thought that was going to be another one of those dumb mistakes when I saw that charger slide you know, in there and grab the ball. I, I, I feel like that's like almost once a game with him. Like, even if he's having a really good game, he just has one that one mental lapse. He's like the Jameis Winston of tight ends. Like, he'll have a great game, and then just one mistake, and that's what you'll remember. And luckily, you know, it didn't really cost him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's a shame. Uh, because like you say, he's just starting to really get going. It felt yeah. and that, that, you know, Gronkowski is a vertical threat, but he's not as much of a vertical threat as, as Howard is. And I mean, there's no real hope, but it's not like you could say, Oh, week eight, you're getting Howard back. No, he, like he's done. Yeah. Um, and, you, and this is, this is a guy now that has been injured. I believe he's been in the league four years and three of them. He won't finish the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, you know, that you really, that's a concern and, they did pick up his fifth-year option, so he'll be back next year. But, man, he needs to be able to stay healthy if he's going to land a future with either the Bucks or any other NFL team, or else you know, he's just going to be another guy that has tons of talent but cannot stay on the field to save his life. And uh, At first, I didn't know the play that he got injured on, but it was actually the Keyshawn Vaughn touchdown. Uh, seemed like he was running around, and it was kind of a non-contact thing, and it just like gave out. It looked like yeah. um, he was really struggling. So it was on a Keyshawn Vaughn touchdown because like after the game, they, well, they said OJ Howard Achilles injury. I was like, okay, and he said out for the year. I was like, dude, I didn't even know when he came out of the game. <laughs> like, right. I had no idea when this guy came out of the game. So, um, but that was the play. You can find it on Giselle Bunchkin or whatever her name is, Munchkin, Bunchkin, whatever it is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I should be spawn. I should be spawn. Tom Brady's wife. Oh, you could have just said that, Giselle. Giselle, whatever. <laughs> what did I say, Michelle? That you mean, said like Giselle Michelle? Bunchkins, and I, I yeah, just didn't know. Whatever. I didn't know well, what the hell that was. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, whatever. Um, anyways, she posted a video of the touchdown, and you can actually see where Howard gets hurt. It's, oh man, it's kind of unfortunate, but yeah, it's a video of the touchdown, but it's a wide angle, and you're able to see Howard run the route. 
and it's even better than the coach's film. You're, you're able to see Howard run the route, and it just, yeah, he goes down, he stumbles a little bit, and then he tries to get back up, and he's he really struggles. So, oh, man. Um, yeah. Unfortunate for OJ. Hopefully we see him you know, fully healthy, ready to go for OTAs if there is any next year or training camp. Hopefully we see him 100% uh, ready to go. Absolutely. Prayers up to OJ for a speedy also, recovery. Cam Bray. Yeah, time, buddy. I, I I was I was gonna bring it up. It is great season, baby, and I think you know we kind of have to bring it up at this point because as you brought up OJ Howard, while it is unfortunate, kind of an uncertain situation there. So I think this kind of mixes up any plans the Buccaneers may or may not have had for Cameron Bright this upcoming offseason. I hate to look that forward. I, I hate to look that far forward into the year, but we've talked about it on the show here before. So if Cam Bright can show up and show out. He looked like a damn good Reds. Well, I mean, he had one touchdown on Sunday, but hey, he, he looks like he can go back year. to that former glory red zone target he was for Jameis. And and I'm looking forward to see what he can do this year. Yeah, this will probably, I think this is no matter what, it probably is last year in Tampa. So oh, uh, man. even if he gets like eight or nine touchdowns. I mean, dude, they just can't keep. I mean, it's eight or nine touchdowns, sure, but that's not going to happen. You know that. I mean, they, they just, they can't keep him. I mean, if they want to keep all their guys, if they want to keep Godwin, David, Barrett, you know, if they want to keep those guys, they they can't they they can't pay they can't pay a third string tight end. And if they want to bring back Arnkowski, which would probably be at a discounted price, but you, you can't pay a third string tight end six million dollars. You just you, you can't do it. Um, so I mean, yeah, it's nice to have him for this season, and I think that's a big reason why they kept him because. Not really an injury, maybe, but you know, COVID. Like, you don't know on a week to week basis who's going to be available for you. And honestly, this is even worse because it's an injury out for the year, you know? Uh, so it, it's time for him to step up. Uh, he's not as good of a blocker as Howard is, which they'll miss, but Gronkowski's pretty solid there. He played really good um, on Sunday, blocking wise. So, Brake got his first, like you said, his first touchdown. Hopefully, he starts rolling there a little bit. Yeah, a couple of more injuries these Buccaneers faced on Sunday. We talked about Mike Evans and his ankle. He kind of rolled that ankle at some time during the game, I think, and he was laboring pretty hard on it throughout the afternoon. But ultimately, he did step up and play the game, which he did, for we are thankful. And as of right now, I'm pretty sure he's expected to go for Thursday night as well. But that other wide receiver, number 14, Chris Godwin, with the hamstring injury, most likely is not going to be ready yet for Thursday night. When do you think is the earliest that maybe we see Chris Godwin suit up. I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't play versus Green Bay. Uh, they have 10 days rest after this Thursday night game. Yeah. So, I mean, he got injured in Denver on the 27th of September. If you're not ready by the 18th of October with just a hamstring injury, which actually isn't as bad as the Bucks thought it was at first, like it's not that as serious. Right. You know, I think he'll be okay. And... um. Yeah, so I, I think that 10-day break is going to be big for these guys because they have a late bye week. So you got to treat this basically like a mini bye week, you know, 10 days, and you got to get healthy. Mike Evans is not healthy. You, you know that. Um, obviously, Sean McCoy is not healthy. Leonard Fournette is not 100% healthy. Um, you know, these guys got to get healthy. Uh, Shaq Barron and Jason Pierre-Paul have been playing a ton. It'll be much needed rest for them. Uh, so yeah, it, it, the 10 day break is going to be very big and it'll be a time for them to get healthy, regroup and, you know, uh, 
they got they got a, a few games here that are going to be interesting. And I, I think, you know, like these are – when you looked at the schedule, you saw New Orleans week one. But then you saw Carolina, Denver, L.A., Chicago. And you're like, okay, that could be four wins. Like that could be four wins, maybe maybe five and out. That could be four wins though. Should probably start four and one. They they're three and one. Can start four and one, but then you get into Green Bay, who Aaron Rodgers is looking. They're oh, very God. dangerous these days. MVP caliber. Yeah, and then you know, I mean, you get into the Raiders, who have been up and down, but I mean, they still look solid. They look like a team that can beat you. Uh, the Giants, I, not really. What? I'll tell you what, really quickly about the Raiders. I'm excited for that game. By the way, we have a special guest planned for our game preview show that week, so stay tuned for that. But that game in particular, I I hate to say it, I've been watching the Raiders these past few weeks. After they Mm -hmm. beat the Saints, I was like, maybe there's something to this team. Maybe I should check Mm -hmm. them out. So yesterday I watched them play. And it's just, you know, I see a lot of promise in the Raiders. I think Gruden coaches a fine team, but I I think they are just so goddamn undisciplined. And I think if this is a game that comes down to the wire, hate to look really far ahead again, but if this is a game that comes down to the wire, I think that'll cost them. Like I I just, yeah, they're a pretty undisciplined team. I just wanted to add that in. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the point to me is just like the Raiders aren't not like they're better than the chargers. They're better than the Broncos. They're better than the Panthers. Like they're better than these teams. So like, you know, that's, that's a game of the bucks, you know, need to, need to come out and play good. So it's going to be important for them to, to regroup after these 10 days, hopefully they're able to squeak out a win on Thursday. That's the perfect scenario, right? You're able to squeak out a win, you're four and one, and then you get to get healthy pretty much, right? (laughs) I mean, after that 10 days, most of your guys should be fairly healthy. Uh, Like Chris Godwin, I expect to be fully healthy. Leonard Fournette, fully healthy. Mike Evans, probably fully healthy. Scotty Miller, whatever, he's dealing with fully healthy. Uh, Just all these guys, you know, hopefully, you know, there's no more injuries on Thursday, which is that's the last thing they need. Um, so I, th- I think that that 10 day break is, is going to be important. And a lot of teams like to take advantage of that little mini bye week. It sucks having to play on Sunday, then on Thursday, but then you get to reap the benefits of it afterwards. So absolutely. We'll talk a little bit more about that on our game preview show this week, by the way, a little bit of a tweaked show schedule for this week. The only thing we're really changing yeah. is that the bucks play on Thursday. So we're going to do our game preview show on Wednesday and we're going to be doing that as a live stream for our folks over on YouTube. Of course, we'll upload the audio once it's done, but make sure you're there to check that out Wednesday night as we preview Thursday night's game against Dub Bears. And then uh, Friday review show? Am I reading that right? Yeah, Friday we'll probably do a review show, and then I think maybe we'll take our own little you know, quote-unquote 10-day break as well, and then we'll jump back on for the Thursday preview show the week after that. But... Let's talk a little bit more about this game before we close things out. We've covered the offense. I want to talk about the defense because I think this is, you know, the most important thing about the game. Like the Bucs did win, but in my opinion, this is the most important reason why they could have lost and why they won at the end. This defense, 24 to 7 in the first half in the blink of an eye. I know the pick six helped. Yeah, pick six. But so 17, basically the way that I read this, and I know a lot of other people read this as well. I, I just, I, do you think these guys like got humbled a little bit? Do you think they went into this game and they're like, all right, we got the NFL rookie of the month. We got the defensive player of the month. We've got the defensive player of the week and Shaq Barrett. Do you think maybe just maybe they bought into the hype, went into this expecting to shut down a rookie quarterback or, 
were the adjustments that Anthony Lynn made too much and they just caught him sleeping? I think they, they were caught sleeping a little bit. I think Anthony Lynn just coached a fantastic game on offense. Uh, and I will say, at first, well, right when the game was over, I thought the defense didn't play well at all. But the more and more I thought about it, you take out the two long balls. Did they play that bad? Like and you take you know, away all you, of the passing you, stats. You, you take you take those two long balls out. Did they really play that bad? The answer is no. Well, okay. You take out all the passing stats. The Chargers' leading rusher was Justin Herbert with 14 yards. Yes, uh, definitely well, helps that Austin Eckler. That, that's what I was going to say. Austin Eckler left the game early. He's dealing with that hamstring injury. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks. But I mean, the fact that they were able to hold those guys to under 15 yards is is yep. definitely a testament to the rush defense I mean, showing up and and looking to claim their title as number one in 2020. Yeah, I mean, you know, you had, uh, you know, the Chargers had uh, their first touchdown was after four plays, 53 yards. Okay, right, got burnt. Then, you know, their next scoring drive on offense, because the very next drive for the Bucks was the pick six. But their next, the Chargers' next scoring drive on offense was probably the Bucks' worst drive, I think, on defense the entire game. It was, the Chargers it, went yeah. 97 yards and 13 plays and scored a touchdown. Uh, that was it. Like That, that, that mean, whole drive was, was nothing but checkdowns. I think the longest pass was like, what, 15 yards on that drive? Oh, the touchdown was 19 yards, so it might have been that. But... I think that was the longest pass in play on that drive. Yeah, but, I mean, other than that, you know, like they held the Chargers to a field goal, and then they got the turnover, and then they forced the Chargers to punt. Then they, you know, they got lucky with the Chargers missed the field goal after the Bucks had uh, gone 24-21, and then they allowed a 72-yard touchdown. With, you know, in 52 seconds, three plays. Look, they were, they, they didn't play great. They got burnt. I feel like Todd Bowles got burnt. He was just, he got too blitz happy in this game. Yes. And didn't realize, you know, the Chargers like to just adjust into it. When you're blitzing that whole time, when you're blitzing everybody, you got to get there. Like you have to at least hit them, and they just weren't able to. Yeah. So partially due to Justin Herbert just being an absolute freak in the pocket. I mean, yeah, again, a I mean, testament to the game he played. Dude, I know uh, they missed a field goal, but the Bucks gave up seven points in the in the second half, and it was on a seventy-two yard pass. Other than that, what did the Chargers do? Like, you know, like I think the defense didn't play great at all in the first half, but I think the second half sort of rounded it out, and I think they played all right. And they got the turnover when you needed it. I think they played fine. After after further review, it was fine. <laughs> Definitely need to be better. I mean, it, that that's making no mistake about it. But after further review, I was okay with it. It wasn't wasn't you know wasn't happy with it, but. I, I was like, okay, did they actually play that horrible? You eliminate the, the two big plays, and maybe it, it turns out different, especially that the one, uh, the 72-yarder, it was on third down. I was like, you eliminate that, like, you know, might might be a little different. But, yeah, uh, I mean, they get that stop on third down. They're up 28-24, and then they can really take control of the game. But, um, you know, it was definitely – it, it was definitely a game where they had their ups and downs. I think they did get humbled. 
I, I, you know, I sort of liked that this game happened, kind of. Yeah. Because I feel like it did humble him a little bit. So I think what's important about this defense and something that, you know, we just haven't had in defenses in recent history here in Tampa Bay is their ability to force turnovers and force turnovers at key times of the game. You know, call it an Adamica Sue getting in there before halftime, call it a bad handoff, whatever it was, it was a turnover for the Buccaneers defense that resulted in a touchdown that got them back in the game. Fourth quarter, watching the game, saying, damn, we could really use an interception right now. And Carlton Davis goes out there and gets an interception. Before, I'd be watching a Bucks game saying, damn, we could really use an interception right now. In eight, games, in eight games later, we would get an interception. You know what I mean? Because we yeah. go seven or eight games without a turnover. So their ability to not only turn it on when it matters and play, you know, when they know the game is on the line, when they know they got to go out there and get their job done. Um, but just this team as a whole, I think that mentality um, is really going to take them far. And it, it was, you know, like you said, I'm glad that this win happened. I think it made them stronger. I think facing that adversity, especially as early as you did, you know, it's a lot to overcome. And Brady is definitely a guy who's got plenty of those comebacks in his career. But for the Buccaneers to go out there and do it, regardless of having Tom Brady, it's just really huge. Because like Bruce Arian said, and like we said here on the show, this is last year, Bucks don't win that game. Plain and simple. Yeah. Though they were in Carolina and Denver games, they were never down any points. Right. Like they never had to come back from anything. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, an important win, I think. And I mean, to come back from 17, second, tied for the second largest comeback in Buccaneers history, I believe. So, um, yeah, just a, a fantastic game for them. And I think this is, this is going to help them. Uh, unfortunately, I think, you know, the injury bug might hinder them a little bit in Chicago. We'll see. Uh, but, you know, I think in the long run, this type of win is going to help them. Absolutely. It's a game that playoff teams win, um, yep. especially when you're in that situation in the first half like they were. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we will talk to you guys Wednesday on the live stream for our game preview episode. The Buccaneers are in the Windy City this week, taking on the Bears Thursday night football Really looking forward to a great game in that one. And 3-1, and one, top of the division still. Drink it in for as long as you can because as of right now, the Buccaneers control their destiny. And uh, I'm really hoping that they go out here and do some really good things on Thursday night before they have that 10-day break and take on the Packers. So, Ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, watching with video, or checking us out on any of those podcast outlets that you can get our show on. Make sure you follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast, and it's basically your best place for updates on the show or any Buccaneers news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers Instagram page, who also just eclipsed 25,000 followers. Mr. 25K. Yeah, uh, this is 
a long time coming. And I remember that my goal was originally week one for 25K. Didn't happen. Whatever. I think the pandemic sort of hurt that because of limited content I was able to put out. But, hey, just want to thank everybody so much. And, I mean, you guys are literally the best uh, for supporting me on my page and obviously this podcast that, you know, we're so happy to bring to you guys every week. And, you know, just, like I said, just this show and my page go hand in hand. And uh, it's something that I love doing. And thank you guys so much. It, it's a really big accomplishment. And honestly, this podcast and my page probably wouldn't be anything without you guys. So just thank you. Yeah, thank you guys very much for tuning into our show. And, of course, showing some support over on Instagram. You can also follow Evan on Twitter at EvanNFL. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I promise I will follow you back. And one more thing. If if you've listened up until this point of the podcast and you follow us on social media, recently we have been teasing a major announcement coming out. And uh, we're not going to pull the curtain back just yet. We're going to tell you guys more about it on our Wednesday live stream. But I just want to let you know that that official announcement will be made tomorrow, October 6th. So definitely that much more reason to go check out our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Once again, thank you so much for listening to our show. I am Rhett Matthew, signing off for Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you guys Wednesday. Go Bucks. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money.